Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. And as our Lord Jesus prayed, sanctify us through thy truth, thy word is true. We know that he is praying for us at all times as our heavenly intercessor at your right hand. As our high priest who has offered up this sublime and supreme sacrifice of all, even himself, and has risen from the dead, has ascended back to his glory and yours, and is now at your right hand for us. Lord, continue to teach us about you and about your work in building his church, your church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' name, amen. Chosen by God the Father is the title of this morning's message. God saves his people by putting them into his church. Did you know that? A lot of people don't know that. When the Father saved us, he unites us to Christ. We have union with Christ. And makes us members of his glorious body, of which he is the head. When he unites us with Christ, he also has communion with us. And that is, of course, personally in our prayer closets, at the family altar, but especially in the congregation of the saints. And so we begin to live in his church. He did not save us to live alone as some flotsam that is floating around in the ocean that eventually makes it the way to the shores of heaven. I mean, that uh, <laughs> No, salvation brings us into the church, into the body of Christ, to be a living member of it, to hang our hat there, not just until whenever, whenever we decide that we want to move, but forever. And yes, it may be in one location, and then another. And that's why we believe in transferring members and making sure that they're shepherded as they go from place to place, as they move away, as some have, and as others will. And we're not against that. But at the same time, let us not forget that we will always hang our hat in the church of Jesus Christ until we transfer to glory. As Luke said in Acts, and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. And by the way, the angels already see this and know this. It says in Ephesians 3, 9 and 10. I'm going to read that to you. Ephesians 3, 9 and 10. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. And the mystery is hid from before the world in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. And the mystery is this, the church. The church that will be worldwide. 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, then who are those? Angels of various myriad kind and stature might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. In other words, the angels already are clued in as to the role of the church, and they are its 
defenders and protectors, even as they are the defenders and protectors of God's children. Ministering spirits administer to the heirs of salvation, it says in the Word of God. Oh, that all Christians in the church see this as well. The Apostle Paul saw it. In fact, he preached and taught it. He taught about the importance of the church. And that is what we have before us now in the book of Ephesians. He wrote this sometime in the five years he was in prison for the faith, either in Caesarea, where he was for two years, or in Rome, where he continued another three. He could not go freely to preach and to be with God's people, and how he longed to be with them. He spoke about how he longed to be with certain individuals in the church, not just some, but all of God's people. That's, that's the spirit and the attitude of, of Christians, is that they, they love God's people. They love to be with them. They love to be with those who are of kindred spirit, of like precious faith. And so, what did he do? What was the next best thing to being there? Well, back then, they didn't have internet. Oh, if only, well, now it's, it's you know, water in the bridge. But, uh, but he wrote to them, yes, like this, you know, like, uh, what I still do when I set cards out instead of e-cards, you know, uh, hard copy. And so the time in prison was not wasted whatsoever. It was 62 AD. The book of Ephesians was, by the way, not just for the city of Ephesus, although there were numbers of churches in that city. It was a big city but would be circulated to the various cities of Asia Minor as well. And as now we have it all over the world, the canonized 66 books of the Bible. Ephesus was a province of Rome, as was Palestine, known for its thriving commercial port. But also it was a center of worship of Artemis. Artemis is the one who is otherwise known amongst the Romans as Diana. Paul went there on his second missionary journey, on his way to Antioch, and then came back on his third missionary journey to establish a church there. He witnessed the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. That's what comes with sound preaching, the sound gospel, not a false gospel. Like in another place, Thessalonica, where he, he wrote, What manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. He saw men and women turn from Artemis and the worship of a Diana to the only true and living God. Now Paul's reaching out to them in his book. In verse 1, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Apostle, who is one who is sent out, a messenger, just like the angels. One way or the other, though, the word has to get out, even if he couldn't get out. Saints, the faithful, those whom God has set apart for himself made or counted holy 
We're not holy in ourselves, although by His Spirit we, we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's a process. But we are also, first and foremost, made holy, counted as righteous in Jesus Christ by faith in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, I'll read this for you, 9 through 11. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. You were once one of those, or perhaps even more than one of those at one time. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, made holy by the Spirit of our God, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is why he says to those who are saints at Ephesus, this is why he says to those who are faithful in Christ Jesus, not because they are in this, they're that in themselves. Who is? You? Me? Far from it. Those who are in Christ. He is the reason. He is why I am a child of God. Grace be unto you and peace, a common expression in the early church. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ that is by their authority, Paul is speaking to them the very words of God. And the church is being blessed by the word of God. Apostle begins to refresh us on the privileges of our calling. God's plan of redemption, I'm giving you an outline here of what's ahead, which is what we are, we are embarking on right now. The past, that is the work of our Father, particularly in election, which is a very misunderstood and even opposed word, along with predestination. So that's God's plan of redemption past, also God's plan of redemption present, how we are redeemed in Christ, and then God's plan of redemption future, that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our inheritance. It is called the earnest of our salvation, the down payment. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have the down payment of heaven, your soul. You are the Lord's by virtue of the presence of God dwelling in you, as Christ promised that he would dwell in you and be, be with you forever. The comforter, the one who comes alongside, the one who is your, I call, resident teacher. You don't really need me. No, really, or even a, a Sunday school teacher or even anyone to teach you. You have God who is going to help you to interpret his word. That's what they had. That's what we have. Now, today we focus on the ministry of the Father. Three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It starts out with praise to God the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of who he is 
in our lives and because of all that he does for us. We just can't imagine because what he does for us is everything. We think, oh, he only does this for us, but we have to do this ourselves. Uh-uh. He says that even in your doing what you're called to do for yourself, it is him working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's him that's doing it. It's him all along. Now, maybe sometimes we might lose sight of him. We might get ahead of him, as it were, get ahead of the shepherd and instead of following the shepherd. But you know, he has a way of reminding us, doesn't he? And it, even if we go all the way to glory, not giving him the glory, which will never happen, of course, he's going to always be letting us know in so many ways and so many words. I'll tell you what, you will give him the glory then. You will bow your knee to King Jesus. Now, then. Just like the ungodly will bow the knee to King Jesus. Either they'll do it now, or they'll be forced to do it in that great day. And so why do God's people bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? For the blessings of the Holy Spirit, as he said, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Spiritual, meaning by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, because of the Holy Spirit. These things, again, are not of us. And where they come is from the very place where the Holy Spirit originates, and that is from the heavenly realm. Where the Father and the Son now rule together. Now, where his elect people are already seated in heavenly places in Christ, it, it goes on to say. The Father set Christ in heavenly places first, as it says in Ephesians 1.20 whom he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And then he sets us who are in Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6, and 7, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? And in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ and Christ Jesus. It's going to take all of eternity to delve into the treasure chest of God's grace, let me tell you. And I'm looking forward to that. That will be the time I'm going to rest and listen, and I don't mind doing that at all. And sharing. I even have thought how it's going to be and how we're going to be very busy. But it'll be a good kind of busy. No sin. <laughs> but again, the reason for praise is because he has given us spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. Sadly, us sinners in general are by nature more focused on the blessings, more on the gifts than the giver, right? Right? And as Christians, even we get focused upon our work, upon our, our homes, upon doing this and doing that. I'm working on a bathroom step for the last how many months? <laughs> I thank God that he forces me to keep my perspective on that. Uh, but nevertheless, that's how we are. Naturally, we're more into ourselves and into our own happiness and how to acquire that. We lead, we lead self-centered lives. We run after egocentric happiness, to use the words of one one uh, uh, 
Korean uh, Presbyterian pastor that I, I uh, read, apart from the Lord, apart from the Lord, that's how we would totally be. And again, I'm not talking here about just the world. That's, that's a, a given. I'm talking about the church, perhaps even a church like ours. I don't know your hearts. I'm not even a doctor to go there. But it's a fact, right? We're all faced with it. The apostle says those who are in Christ have already received the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It's in a past tense. They call it the aorist past tense. They have received. It's an accomplished fact. And so it's not because of what we do for God. It's not because of our evangelical works that we do for God, such as keeping the Lord's Day, such as worshiping God, such as fellowshipping with the saints, or giving our tithes and offerings, or giving the gospel. As much as all of these things are important, that's not why we are blessed, but we are blessed for Jesus' sake. We have them now, and we'll continue to have them because we need to mature and to grow up. Because what God chose, according to our passage, what God chose is his people to be holy and without blame before him. That's what he wants. That's what he's after. Like it says, for example, uh, in the next verse, verse 4 of our text, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Leave the in love to decide for a moment, because that might be better put in the next verse, verse 5. But that's why we are chosen. Our becoming his mature people was something planned from the foundation of the world. He didn't want us to, to continue as babes or babies in, in Christ drinking milk and not eating solid food. No, he wants us to be mature and, and godly people of God that are able to give an answer to those who don't have an answer of the reason of their hope which is in them by the Spirit of God. And yet with that spirit of weakness and fear. And notice it was before the foundation of the world, before we ever existed, that God decided that he was going to do this. Before we were even conceived, before we were even made, born. It says in Romans 8.29, something very significant. And this is the... verse that comes after Romans 8.28 which is what? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. His purpose. This is his purpose. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. That means love in advance. The word know could also mean know intimately. Such as when you love someone, a loved one. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Predestinate means a, a very simple way is to think of someone who guides you, like uh, a parent guides his child, or like the, the crosswalk attendant guides the children safely across the other side, across the, 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 the crosswalk, right? They have this in this 
schools where I would uh, bring the, the children that go back to school, uh, my, my grandchildren, that is. And uh, you have to drive 25 miles an hour when you hit that section that's, uh, well, after the high school, the elementary and then the junior high school, you have to go 25 miles an hour. And you gotta stop at that crosswalk and until that guard is safely on the other side, ready to start another group across, you ain't gonna move, <laughs> even if it's green. <laughs> That's our Lord. He is predestinating our steps. And what are they? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's why he loved us from eternity past. That's why he predestinated us. To be conformed, to be like Jesus. He wants us to be like his son. We'll never be exactly like him, but we will be close. Because we are not the natural son. We are sons and daughters of grace or by grace sons and daughters through adoption imagine that he loved me before the world began like the prophet Jeremiah says I have loved thee said Yahweh with an everlasting love therefore with loving kindness I drew you it's like a hymn that we know which I'm going to sing it this time. I found a friend, oh, such a friend. He loved me ere or before I knew him. He drew me with the cords of love, and thus he bound me to him. And round my heart still closely twine those ties which not can sever. For I am his, and he is mine forever and forever. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that so comforting to know and to hear and to have deep in your heart? And that's why this word in love, these words in love are moved. And I'm not the only one who's done this. Uh, I remember our, our, our previous pastor made this point because it's in the Greek. And, and it's also what makes sense where it says in verse 5 that we add in love. Uh, to uh, verse 5. In love having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The divine motive for election is not some arbitrary, capricious attitude of a tyrannical God who says, I want you here, I want you there. It's one of entreating and, and loving those who would be born into the sin-cursed fallen world and making them making us his children. And that's why I talk so much about God's kesed in Hebrew, his everlasting kesed or covenant love, his steadfast love as it's also identified, his eternal love, his sacrificial love, all of the above. Like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have And it's the divine motive not only for election, but for predestination. Because in this verse, the Father predestinates us to be the adopted children of his. By Jesus Christ himself. It says in Galatians 4, 4 through 6. Galatians 4, 4 through 6. 
it's wonderful how scripture just all comes together. It seems like from so many different places. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. And this means under the condemning law of God. Because by the law we see the holiness of God, but by the law we see our sin before God. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons or children, which is also the word in the Greek. And because you are sons or children, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That means that you are crying, Abba, Father, because of God working in your life and mine. Just remember, his son is everything. It is by his son that we are redeemed. It is by his son or through his son that we are adopted. It is by the spirit of his son whom God has sent forth into our hearts that we cry, Abba, Father. And then we come to our last verse in our passage in Ephesians 1. To the praise of the glorious grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The Father made us accepted in the beloved, that is, in Jesus Christ, his Son. He accepts us for Jesus' sake. It's not we who accept Jesus. A lot of people have it all turned around. They think that we, when they become saved, we accepted Jesus. You know what? That's not even in the Bible. It says that the Father accepts us. And you know why? Because we are unacceptable as we are. We are not suitable. We are not fit for the kingdom of God, as we've read in other scriptures, like in 1 Corinthians 6. We're suitable for hell. We're suitable for the lake of fire. It is because God made us acceptable through His Son, His beloved Son, that we then become His beloved children, ourselves. That's how that works. And so whenever you hear uh, people say, for example, I accepted Jesus, well, that's, there's truth to that. But let's not forget who accepted who first. We accept him because what? He first accepted us. Like that verse in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. That's the order of the order of salvation. And don't get that turned around, please. And help others so that they get it turned around the right way. Because it's God first, as we are saying here, it is Christ first. I am my beloved, and he is mine. His banner over me is mine. Is what Solomon says in his poem, the Song of Solomon. And so an application, an application is essential. So the purpose of divine election. See, a lot of people look at that as some byword, some almost like a dirty word. It's like a slang word or a curse word. Oh, far from it. It's, it's a beautiful word. The absolute sovereignty of God, the election of God, the predestination of God are truly glorious words and very comforting. Because had God not chosen me, I would never choose him. 
had the Lord Jesus not seek me out, as it says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost, I would still be out there lost in the woods. I'd probably perish out there in the Sierra somewhere. Unless the Lord found me and brought me to his church. Is that how you feel? I trust it is. I believe it is. I believe it is. And, and why the purpose of divine election? That we might be holy and without blame before him in love. Spotless like the spotless Lamb of God. Who is Jesus Christ? And that God would get all the praise for this. And me? Nada. Zilch. Zero. Are you humbled by your sin? And realize that it's God's sovereign elected grace all along and throughout your life that saves you and that saves you and that would save you. And that you would have never come to Christ unless he first came to you. And because he has come into your life, you have the same attitude that he has about those things that are not pleasing in his sight. Like you hate sin things that he hates. You love righteousness, the things that he loves. Are you thanking God for making you a new creation, a new creature in Christ? Because it says in the Bible, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Is that something that just enthralls your heart to no end, to dwell upon that contemplation of your being the Lord's. And do you love the Lord for that? And are you living the Lord because of that? That's what this is about, this message this morning on electing love of the Father. With this shall we now commit to the Lord in prayer. Father, we commit this to you. Pray, O God, that you would make your truth as it comes from your word it comes from the mouth of the Holy Spirit. Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. As it comes through our lips, as we, Lord, tell others of the glorious majesty and the wonder of saving grace to them. May that glorify you in turn. And our living a godly life that will win others to the Savior. May that pleasing and glorifying